Craft Beer Radio, episode 325, on March 21st, 2015. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio, our 325th episode. We are breaking off another quarter of a hundy. <laughs> it's a somewhat significant, insignificant number, yes. right? We have a series of interesting stuff today. Um, I'll let Jeff tell you all about it. <laughs> kind of just pick some beers. Uh, most of these were sent in by the brewery. Uh, one here was not. Uh, we have two nitrogenated beers. One's a brown ale, one's a porter. Um, yeah, I think so we start we'll with, start with those. Yeah. This is probably, you know, this Berliner Weiss is, it's a, it's a toss-up, right? Because it's, it's a lighter-bodied beer. How tangy is it? You know, it it's got a lot of stuff going on just based okay. on the label, too. So, okay. yeah, I, I, I think that there's not going to be a... It's not going to be a delicate one. There's not going to be a delicate one in the bunch here. So we'll start with the Saranac, their Disruption Nitro. It's a one-off version. It's nitro-infused brown ale with caramel and chocolate malts, Northern Brewer and East Kent Golding Hops. Two Romina Crystal and chocolate malts, Northern Brewer, Fuggles, and East Kent Goldings. Came in a pounder can, had a little nitro widget at the bottom, which you may have heard when we opened it. And uh, 7% alcohol by volume, 25 IVs. They they kind of have the N in disruption. is look, looks like a periodic table of elements, mm-hmm. but the atomic weight is 2, so that's not really nitrogen. No. <laughs> they probably meant N2, N2 a diatomic yeah. molecule. But the way it's written, it's written... As a play on the periodic table. Shame on you, Saranac. How dare you? (laughs) (laughs) Wonder if you could get high from the nitrogen in this like you can with the... um, That's nitrous oxide. Yeah, it's nitrous oxide. That's N2O, yeah. All right, so the beer pours pretty dark. It's uh, in the glass. It's the darkest of brown ales. It looks portery um, from the color. Thin nitrogenated head it's kind of fallen down just to just a wispy layer now so nitrogen in beers i mean it, it you get smaller bubbles mm-hmm. you get less of a you certainly don't get a carbonic acid kick well that's it. it it kind of replaces the zing uh well two things the it's creamier right not the zingy but yeah the the tartness of the carbonation is is way different, right? It's it's, it's not a, an acidic carbonation, so because that's what everyone's used to, it actually gives it a little more of a sweet impression, I mm-hmm. think, because it's not acidic. It smells a little, there's a lot of caramel and chocolate notes here, kind of a little Dutch cocoa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the first. Sniff I took, I smelled. I, I hesitate to say this because it's one of those things like where nitrogen is odorless. You don't smell it. It's seventy percent right. of the air we breathe. Right. 
Um, but when you open a nitrogenated beer or something like a Guinness or this, there's a certain aroma that when the, it's the, the consistency of the head, the aroma that that thing gives off, right? It kind of has this, um, it's a little bit, I have to, I have to go back from memory now cause I'm not smelling it anymore. It, it, it kind of is a little bit creamy, milk, milky. There's definitely some caramel or toffee notes in there, but it's kind of different from what you get off of a, a carbonated beer, a CO2, all CO2 beer. Uh, however, now that I'm smelling into more, the malt is coming through more and it's starting to smell more like a, a rich, um, something that's straddling the line between porter and brown ale because there's definitely some cocoa aroma and things like that coming off the nose. It it smells pretty stouty. I mean, if, if you were to put this one in front of me, and I, I would say a nitro stout uh, without having had a, a sip yet. Mm-hmm. Just from the aroma and from the look of it. It smells pretty good. The, that, that kind of sweet cream aroma is in there still. I'm getting... Uh, bit of toffee in the aroma something that because it smells sweeter because that lack of that carbonic you know Mm -hmm. zing something that reminds me just a little bit of cherries but it's it's not like cherry sherry oxidized Mm -hmm. or it's not cherry flavors but there's something that kind of reminds me of cherries in the nose it smells pretty good the hops, Northern Brewers, Fuggles, it's going into those continental hops, the ones that are uh, kind of mid-range. They're a little piney, little fruity. This is interesting in the flavor because the flavor tastes like a, a, um, a mix between a kind of heath-like toffee and a, and a bitter chocolate. Um, right. And then the hops are giving it just some extra dimension to that. Bitterness. After tasting it, I can see why they're not calling it a porter or a stout. I think it definitely doesn't have. There's some, while there's some cocoa flavors, mm-hmm. it doesn't have that roasty character to right. it, really. Yeah. So I can definitely see why it's called a brown ale, and I agree because you get a lot of toffee and uh, other malty flavors out of it. Uh, I'm gonna take another sip here, but the body, nice creamy body. This is a nice package. I like how this beer's put together. The the taste, the nitro is giving it something that. I would normally define it as something a little lactic, but I know that's not. I don't. I don't think that's. Actually oh, you, in you think it kind of reminds you of a milk stout? Is that what you're a saying? A little bit. Yeah. There's a little quality there. Well, that, there's something in there. Like I mentioned, the sweet cream. Yeah. There's something creamy, milky, and it might just be. Excuse me. It might just be, uh, us kind of roping in things we're used to when we have this kind of presentation in a beer. Mm-hmm. You know, so let's try to actually look for it more and make sure it's there or not just kind of pulling it in. I don't think it is there. I mean, I have, yeah, I'm I'm saying that the initial impression I got was a lot along the lines of something I might get out of a milk stout. When I try to actually find that component, I I realize it's it's made up of other stuff. It's made up of some of the bitterness of the hops. It's made up of of, of the, the creaminess of the nitrogen. It's... It's that which is giving us a very um, a kind of sympathetic uh, uh, taste to that to that lactic mm-hmm. taste. 
I must, you know, this is, uh, I've, I've long said that I prefer carbonated versions of beers over their nitrogenated um, brothers. You know, this is the second one we've had this year. Old Chubb Nitro was the other one where, mm-hmm. now granted, I've had Old Chubb and Old Chubb Nitro. I've never had uh, a Saranac Brown Ale like this, you know, this disruption that hasn't been nitrogenated. Yeah. But uh, this is really good, too. I mean, I'm coming around. Or brewers are finally learning how to make good nitro I beers. I think that's the issue because I'm, I'm getting more of a prickly sense from the nitrogen than I am from other like just smooth stuff that has little bubbles. I, I feel mm-hmm. like there's there's more oomph there to the carbonation, which is something that I, I enjoy. Um I I feel like I'm not sold on the flavor totally. I think the hopping is a little um a little overdone hmm. for this level of malting. So I would have I guess I, I I'm saying I would have preferred to be a little bit maltier. That's but I'm appreciating the beer for what it is and i I think it's well done i'm yeah i I think it's an example of brewers learning how to do nitro i i I think these whatever whatever flavors they're using they stand up to the nitro better than other beers yeah i mean because generally nitro beers are just washed out Mm -hmm. it's all creaminess bubbles and it didn't carry the flavor through and this one carries through some really good flavors i like the balance on the hops and the malts i'm not having any complaints there yeah, this works for me. I like this. The hop is a little... Hmm. Trying to figure... It's, the, it's something in the hops that, that's kind of pushing me off. It's a little... A little Brussels sprouty or something. There's a little something okay. that is almost, almost yogurty in a way. A little bit of a tang there. I'm not quite sure how to put it than that okay i mean as i got through the end of my sample there i could taste i mean because when a beer's a nitro beer it's not all nitrogen right mm-hmm. there's still co2 bubbles in there mm-hmm. and i was able to get a little bit of uh, the carbonic acid a little bit of prickliness on my tongue you know from the co2 that's in the beer uh, it took a little bit to get calibrated because of course when you go into it for that first sip you notice all the n2 right. So let's go with this uh, next one. This is from Wasatch in Utah. They sent us this beer, their Polygamy Nitro Porter. Made a big deal about how they uh, spent a lot of money and uh, research trying to get a nitrogenated bottle, a lot like Guinness does. So this is not a canned nitro, this is a bottle nitro. Well, it's not necessarily like how Guinness does it, right? Because Guinness's bottles have a little rocket widget in there. Right. Uh, And they're actually made... Not to pour in a glass. The rocket widget dispenses the nitrogen slowly. It's made to actually drink from the bottle. Uh, this Wasatch doesn't have any kind of hardware inside the bottle. Uh, so they did some other mechanism to... Uh, I think on the table over there is the Wasatch yes, stuff. Yes, Here's our Wasatch material. Yeah, they've made Polygamy Porter for years and years. Um, they've been doing that for longer than we've been doing our show. But the nitro is a new package for them, I believe. There's only, the only is a quote here. They don't actually tell say anything about the process, but they say that getting nitrogen to pour properly in a bottle is about a hundred times more challenging than nitrogen in a keg. Okay. 
I mean, so they're kind of putting nitro beer in their bottling line, yeah, and putting it into bottles. So when the beer poured, it poured with a just a modicum of head. And now yeah, they tell you to, to pour it aggressively. That's oh, okay. Yeah, so. I missed the aggressive note. I, you know, it's be, hard to do that when you're spitting out the. Well, I could have, but you never know if there's going to be a pile of yeast at the bottom of the bottle or not. So, got to be careful with that. Six percent alcohol by volume on this one. Hmm. <laughs> First thing that I smell on this, which isn't in the beer, I smelled some like something peanutty. I smell bubble gum. Bubble gum. Yeah, there's a there's a little bit of, of toffee again. It maybe is borderline on roasty, but it's a subdued aroma on this thing, and it could be palate drift because I actually had some of Heather's. I had some of the Terrapin uh, Liquid Delight tonight, which is our chocolate coffee or chocolate peanut butter porter, and uh, maybe it's palate drift from that. But when I smelled this, I, it took me kind of to drinking that earlier tonight. No, I can see where peanut butter comes in. There's something, yeah, but, but mostly it's because peanut butter is roasted, right? And so mm-hmm. it's there's a there's a quality that's shared. It has a definitely has a peanut butter flavor too. Do you get it? A bit. I'm still. I, yes, yes, I do. It, okay. it has a peanut butter flavor. I think that is again a sort of sympathetic thing. I think uh-huh. it's it's that there are flavor compounds in here that are very similar to flavor compounds in roasted peanuts. Okay, it doesn't taste exactly like roasted peanuts, but there are very similar uh, compounds. Yeah, so you know this is a nitrogenated beer that they put in a bottle with no special hardware, like I said. The um, mouthfeel on it, it's not nearly as creamy as something served with a widget. Right. Uh, it is le- more creamy, less zingy than your traditional porter served from a bottle. But it does lean more towards, it just feels, to me it feels like a lower carbonated CO2 beer. A bit, a bit. There is definitely uh, definitely some, a bit of the astringency that I would expect from a porter. So it, it's going, it's definitely in that porter range. I think they, you know, they labeled it right. Not, I'm, I'm getting also more of a, of a deeper malt in, in balance with the hops. So I, I feel like, uh, you know, this is more pleasing to mm-hmm. my palate. It would, it would have been nice to have tried these regular polygamy and this one side by side. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, maybe I take back my last statement a little bit. I took another sip and it does kind of have a smoothness the whole way through. Yeah. I, I just think it's the, that, that difficulty of a bottling. Mm-hmm. A nitro beer. I think you're going to have a little bit of trade-off there. and I think that this is, is a reasonable um, attempt. Yeah, I think it's probably smoother than polygamy on, you know, just carbon dioxide. But it doesn't feel like, yeah, it doesn't feel like it's a nitro from the tap or anything like that. So... That's all I can say about that. The color is a nice, again another dark one, but this one is definitely more of a darker beer. It's definitely more 
on the porter side of the disruption, which even though it was dark, was was definitely a brown ale in terms of flavor. They did put on the neck label, pour it like you mean it. <laughs> so they do want you to dump it into your yeah. glass quite vigorously. Now, Wasatch is part of the Utah Brewers Cooperative, which uh, I always forget who's in and who's out. Like, I don't think that's Uinta. <laughs> no, I don't think so. And... Uh, if only we had a tool, an informational tool. There's no such thing. Well, I'm not going to look it up while, if you're looking it up because I would just uh, cause more dead air. Um, as I drink this, I'm not like people might be wondering, well, how peanut buttery is it? You know, is that all you're tasting? And as I drink it, I'm kind of getting away from noticing that so much. Maybe it was just something from the transition from the last beer that just kind of stood out because of the flavors, you know, the the calibration that we had. Uh, It was interesting. And I'm not a huge fan of peanut butter in beers. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it it tends to be kind of gimmicky, right? Right. Uh, Well, like I tried that one earlier tonight. If this... If, if Wasatch had told me this was their attempt at a peanut butter porter, I'd probably say that's one of the best peanut butter porters I've had. <laughs> so when there's just sort of the bare hint of peanut butter, when the peanut butter is, is, is more like, uh, it's, it's more, ra- like... <laughs> it, it tasted, yeah, it didn't taste like it was too much. It didn't taste like, it, it tasted. It reminds me of like black chocolate stuff doesn't have any chocolate in it. They just. They right. use chocolate malt. Right. They 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 get around putting chocolate in it by by. They're probably listening to this like why are they dwelling on the peanut flavors. butter? <laughs> but uh, yeah. I enjoyed that. I mean, I it's I, I don't want to say I enjoyed that part of it, but if it if it was served to me as a peanut butter beer, I'm like, hey, someone did it right. Wasatch and Squatters are the beers mm. that are right now. Squatters, that's it. Alrighty. So. So. Uh, should that... we do the old ale? Or the... Actually, let's do the amber. I'm very curious about this one. Okay. Saranac also sent us an imperial amber ale. I think we've had imperial ambers before, but I'm always curious at, at what you do to make an imperial amber. I mean, right. amber is sort of, by definition kind of a midway between certain other styles. And so how do you imperialize a midway beer, right? I mean, Nugget Nectars yeah. call themselves an imperial amber as well. So an IPA with a little more color to it. This is part of Saranac's High Peak series. And, of course, they sent this beer to us, like I said, to row Vienna and Karastan Malts, Centennial Cascade, Brewer's Gold, and Heirloom hops, 7.5% alcohol volume, and 75 IBUs. The um, the no, So the beer pours a, a nice, rich tea color, very clear, uh, moderate head on it that's starting to fall, and big hoppy aroma. Big house with a little... Got some grapefruit pith. You got a little bit of orange. It's, it's citrusy overall. Yeah, the, a little oily mm-hmm. in that note. There's there's, there's um, like tangerine oil and mm-hmm. and grapefruit oil in there. So there's a, a slight pithiness, but also a lot of a big bursty. You're right. The 
either you suggested it and now I'm picking up on it or the the aroma evolved a little bit, but it went from pretty pithy to, to a lot more of the oils. Smells like it's going to be a hoppy beer. It, it's really, it's a lovely aroma. I mean, mm-hmm. it's really potent, really delivers good hop aromas here. I'm also interested in the malts here, two-row Vienna, Karatin. These are, you know, kind of on the caramel level, but not, mm-hmm. you know, not all the way. Well, Vienna would be a nice, is a neat way to do yeah. it, right? Because instead of using a Crystal 60 or something like that, you use a Vienna. It gives it, a, you know, Vienna is what they use in Oktoberfest. So it gives it a little more of that bread crust right. as opposed to caramel. And I kind of like that idea. I like the idea of using that in a hoppy beard. Hop Devil, I think, mm. uses Vienna. I'd have to double check, but I'm pretty sure. This is there's a lot of apricot coming through, I think, on the on the flavor that that's that's um the hops that are coming through gives me a lot okay. of apricot. And then it, it it has that kind of marmalade texture to it. So it's a little English muffin with marmalade. I've um, you know mentioned other beers that are like that before. This is one of those. This is a, a little bit of a almost like a breakfast beer. Mm-hmm. It feels like you know you're having your your grapefruit and you're drinking this or something. Right. Yeah, it starts out for me kind of two main sides to the hops on this one. When it's on the front of your tongue, it's more grapefruity, a uh, little bit pithy. And then as you roll it back your tongue and right before it goes on your throat, it makes a definite impression on like the back part of your tongue, the mid back part of your tongue. And that's where it really feels like an orange marmalade where it's this sweet, hoppy uh, impression that is quite delicious. Mm -hmm. And like I said, underneath it all is this, I I say English muffin is probably the best way to put it. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, there's a slight bit of, you know, a slight sourdoughness just barely. So that's what an imperial amber is, Greg. <laughs> I like and it's it. It's pretty good, yeah. I like it. I, I, you know, when I pull these out of the fridge, I forgot that these were both Saranac. But uh, we've done, you know, two beers from the same brewery. Yeah, yeah. Time. I forgot they're both Saranac, but I'm, I'm just saying, you know, they're dialed in right now. These yeah, are, they're both good beers. Saranac has. Yeah, I feel like they've been dialed in for a while. I remember, sure, really enjoying. Their like their their packs, their seasonal packs. Uh-huh. So yeah, I feel like they they've been making some very good stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember talking with uh, a local brewer that I'm pretty good friends with. People know who I'm talking about if you know me at all. Uh, and this was this was a conversation that happened probably seven years ago. Uh, talking about Saranac and. He's like, yeah, they make a bunch of beers, but it's like the same beer in different glass bottles. They like all taste the same, you know. And we've talked before about breweries that have reinvented themselves, that have stepped up their game, and I and I feel Saranac has definitely done that, you know. And I think Saranac and Weyerbach are the two kind of main examples that we pull from that because yeah. those are the ones that we have the most experience with. Yeah, I mean, I I really hate using Weyerbacher's example because they were the ones that kind of reinvented themselves long time ago like 
right around the time we were starting the show, yes. I would say. Like prior to the show when I was learning beer, Weyerbacher wasn't as good. Yes. And so so they've been a good brewery for 10 years now. So I really don't want to – I'd like to stop using them as an example. I, I mean they're only an example of, I believe, a market pressure to make better beers, mm-hmm. you know, changed them into something – that uh, that they can be def- absolutely be proud of. I don't think it's a knock against them to okay. say that they that, that they got better. Sure. And that they're now. I, I just worry about that. You know, like oh, there's craft beer radio continuously reminding people that we used to not be so good. I, I mean, let me, let me put it this way: there are breweries that I think haven't evolved much past what they always were. An example that comes to mind is Rogue. I don't think Rogue has ever... I mean, they make a lot of beers, uh, and they don't taste the same, but I I still... It's rare that a Rogue beer passes an 8 out of 10 for me. Okay. There are breweries that I've grown to really enjoy after I didn't necessarily like them a lot. Stone is an example. Mm-hmm. There, But there are definitely breweries, and it's just based on the experience that we've had that have turned into something that they weren't before. I don't think describing any of these in the way that we do uh, is, is any knock against them. Okay. Okay. Except maybe against Rogue. <laughs> I haven't had much. Well, we do have a Rogue in the fridge. We got we the have, Sriracha yes. beer in the fridge. I picked up. We have the Sriracha. I, I mean, Rogue, I, I, I love them for their inventiveness and what they try to do. But what comes out isn't always... Appeal as appealing to me as 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 I think it should be. I'll have to see if I can find it here. Uh, maybe I'll talk about it a little later in the show. I, I saw uh, one of those stupid listicles of like ten beers that you shouldn't drink or should have never been made or something like uh-huh. that. And Voodoo Donut was was one of those. <laughs> it's hard to argue with that. <laughs> I don't think I've had a Voodoo Donut that was any that was really any good. I'll see if I can find that listicle. Maybe yeah. we'll talk about it a little bit. But I, but again, I mean, I love the idea of doing it. You know, it's like mm-hmm. so. I'm appreciative of them just trying new things. I think it's that Pac-Man yeast. They just got to get away from that. They love it. Yeah, they, they love, that, love that yeast in their free-range coastal water too. Could be a water thing too. That's true. Maybe this is it. Eight beers. You should stop drinking immediately. 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 Oh, no, if you got know. a half glass full of Voodoo Donut, you should not finish it. Well, yeah, I do want to hear this list, so let's go. Page is loading quite slow, so let's continue on. Well, maybe we should on. do a commercial while we wait. Sure, we could do something like a commercial. All right, make sure you t- tune me down some because it, it always pops okay. up loud. Hey, we're finally learning. So we did a super short one last week. I'd like to dive in a little bit more. So to support the show, we want you to do what's easiest for you and easiest for us. And this is like no extra money out of your pocket. But, you know, when you shop online, you tend to shop at Amazon because Amazon has everything. They deliver fast and, yeah. Yeah, so all we need you to do is before you start shopping at Amazon, don't go to Amazon.com. Go to craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. That's it. And then continue your shopping as you... You get redirected. It, it, so it takes like an extra three seconds to type in the extra letters, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, shop, shop, shop. Bye, bye, bye. And it costs you nothing more. And we get a, uh, a finder's fee for sending you to Amazon. 
It ranges from it goes up to about six and a half percent. But uh, they like someone buys something really expensive, like oh that's gonna be sweet. And it's like three percent. It's like <laughs> jerks. Uh, but we do appreciate your help, and uh, that's really you know we're not asking you to you know. You, you can donate. There's a PayPal link on our site. But, you know, we haven't been promoting that forever because we just feel that it's the most equitable way of doing this is just just use a referral link every time you shop at Amazon. Think of us when you think of Amazon and everyone's happy. And we appreciate everyone who has uh, supported us in the past. And thank you, Lonely Island, for providing us with our backs up. I got a, I got a note from James Spence from Basic Brewing Radio. He used our referral link because he just he, he just got an electric brewery mm-hmm. uh, from High Gravity Brewing, and uh, wanted to buy a, a GFCI, a ground fault connector connection interrupter, right? So he doesn't electrocute himself. You know, like a thirty amp, two hundred eight volt, the heavy ones, like okay. four hundred bucks. So he bought that with our referral link. Didn't show up because I suspect he if is. you are if your account is an affiliate, you can't. Yes, that's, that's absolutely true. Referrals for other people. So yeah, I've tried. I've tried to, to buy <laughs> stuff Amazon for the. You know, if I buy Amazon, mm-hmm. I try to. I try to do it for us initially. Doesn't they figured work. it out, and because yeah. I, I, our my our affiliate account email address and my Prime account were two different email addresses, and it worked at once. But then I kind of I probably cross-logged in or something, and they're like, oh, we I think found they, you. I think they can tell what IP you've logged in from. Yeah, they, and, they cross-link yeah. the accounts. So now Greg is blacklisted from referrals. Yeah. I am blacklisted from referrals. and So uh, we can't even support basic other, brewing. Yeah. Such it is. Oh, well. Yeah. Oh well. All right, so just so tell me these beers. Let's go. Oh, uh, this is not the right list. This one is eight beers you should stop drinking, and they are all macros. Well, that's not fun. Nope. Might have been twelve. I, I, I this. Oh, this is great radio. Uh, let's drink another beer, and if I can kind of. Search with my right hand while we drink beer, then that's fine. Um, I think now's probably a good time to do the Blinnerweiss. Yeah, sure. So this beer is from Mobcraft, and uh, they sent us this beer. This was funny because uh, it was an unsolicited uh, ascend because I was actually, they were on the list, and I just hadn't got to them yet. And they're like, hey, can we send you beer? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can send us beer. Anyone else who's listening who wants to send us beer, there is a link on the site on the site for uh, shipping information, so you can just go there and and do that. And you may be on the list too. We uh, kind of are working. It's alphabetically. Um, I probably should randomize it to be a little more fair, more equitable. But we don't want to get too many beers in the shop at one time, so we're kind of working our way through it. Sorry for the inside baseball. This so this is the uh, this is the Mobcraft old fashioned Berliner style vice. It's a wheat ale with cherries, oranges, and spices aged in used bourbon barrels. What the what? <laughs> okay, so yeah, this has a lot of they they try to make basically the old fashioned cocktail right, which is cherries and, and a simple syrup and bitters. Okay. So they put in cherries, oranges, some spices, 
uh, what was the spices that they're on there? Uh, juniper cardamom, uh, star anise. <laughs> uh, so then they put cherries and oranges in there, and then put in the Berliner Weiss. So that's acidulated malt. We learned what acidulated malt was a while ago. Uh, pale malt and, and white wheat. So and then of course, like uh, the Berliner Weiss, they, they let it uh, sour mash, and we get a beer. It's five percent alcohol by volume, thirty IBUs, and. Then they age it in either used brandy or whiskey barrels. <laughs> they split it. <laughs> it's a uh... that's there's a lot going on, and and it's a, it's a darker than normal Berliner Weiss, right? I mean, this is it. It's a it, it's a not quite as close, not quite as tea color. Well, as the I mean, immortal, this but... this is experimental beer, right? Yeah. I mean, for right now, forget about Berliner Weiss. It's funny to call an experimental beer old fashioned. That's okay, but forget about Berliner Weiss, right? If there's notes, but I mean, I am not going to compare this against a world class Berliner Weiss. I mean, you smell it, and it has the cardamom, the cherries. I mean, the the nose is pretty crazy on it, and 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 definitely it pulls you in. There's a. A, is there juniper in this too? Yes, there is. Okay, juniper. so yeah, there's a gin type smell. There's juniper berry smell. There's cardamom. So you'd make an old fashioned with a bourbon. So of course they use brandy and whiskey barrels, which mm-hmm. in, in, instead of using a bourbon barrel, they're kind of using different. Because you can you can do a rye whiskey with a to make an old okay. So Mobcraft, it they call themselves the world's com- first completely crowdsourced brewery, and. So, I'm trying to distill this down. I, I, they, they take suggestions from produce small batch custom craft beers based on user submitted recipes. Cast your vote by placing a pre order for the beer you want us to brew. So they basically make the beer. They sell out an allocation, so the beer is sold before it's brewed. Huh. And then and then make the beer and deliver it, or you know, people come get it. That that's an interesting way of doing it. It is an interesting model, definitely. And, and I I like to see that we've talked several times on the show about beer. There were just a, a thing that we got from from uh, from the Brewer Association about how big craft beer is getting. It's it's over ten percent of, of of beer purchases in the U.S. now, for example. I like to see that there are now breweries doing different ways of distribution than just the standard, you know, give it to the beer distributor and, and you know, I mean, put it on the shelf. There, there's other places that do this kind of business model, right? Yeah. Uh, one of the podcasters I listen to, he's an author, and he's an author first, podcaster second, but he, you know, he gets book deals through the big publishers, but he's done some self-published ones, and those ones are kind of, they're pre-sold, you know, and... Once he has them sold out, he gets the books printed. You know, he doesn't do the publishing run until the, the stuff's sold. And this is the same kind of thing, right? Yeah. People are pre-buying beers that they want, and then these guys put it together. And uh, Does that mean that you can't get this on the shelf? I don't know if it's 100% allocated. They're, they're probably, they probably have a threshold. It's probably like 80% allocated or something yeah. like that. Right? I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm guessing on that part of it. Let's go back to this old-fashioned Berliner-style vice. The nose is... It, it just... 
it's bonkers. It's next level bonkers. Uh, <laughs> smelling, like I said, the things I already smell, but they're, they're, it smells, it's so well integrated in the smell that I just love the aroma. And Old Fashioned is a very good cocktail. If you've ever had a really well made Old Fashioned, it's one, it's one of the first cocktails. I think it may be the first, like, official okay. cocktail. It's a very good cocktail. Uh, it's pretty delicious. I think yeah, Man- the, Manhattan the, would be the second one. The, the bitters or the bitters type aroma is coming through on this now. Mm-hmm. Once I got past the, the gin and the cardamom, I'm smelling something that kind of is like a lemon zest or something like that on the nose. I still haven't tasted this one yet. This one is has miles of aroma on it. Yeah, absolutely. There's that juniper is really sticking out to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, It comes and goes for me. I'm able to get past it, but yeah, it's definitely a potent thing. It's not like it's clogging up my nose. Mm -hmm. It does taste like a cocktail. It has a definite quality to it that's... The the tang from the Blinderweiss is really fascinating. Yeah. Because it kind of just... Dances around the top of your mouth and the back of your throat. It, there's a little tang there. It plays into like how the bitters work in a right. And sometimes you put a lemon peel or something into an old fashioned mm-hmm. too, so you get yeah. so you get a little bit of a tang from. But that. It just dances around. It's not a. The beer has plenty of sweet maltiness to it. Oh, it, wow. it is somewhat hard to pull apart all the flavors individually, but that's okay if they're melding well. And this is melding pretty well. I, I like what's going on here. It's very interesting and, and uh, a really, yeah, it's it, it, it's a very interesting, interestingly constructed machine of a beer. There's there's lots going on here. There's, there's lots of it's like a the, big it's, it's it's like a big sorry a, a big like spiky model or something. And I'm trying <laughs> to sort of explore it in different ways. And it's got right. it's got spikes on some yeah, sides. So when you first others. sip it. You notice the kind of the the sweetness to it, the maltiness to it, and it's a couple things. I'm getting, excuse me, I'm getting. I lost my train of thought now because I burped on microphone. <laughs> you have a, you have a button to mute you. I know I was facing the wrong way. Got to put it right in front of you like mine. There's a bit of. There's so much. There's so much going on there. I'm really there's tasting the mango. Spices. I'm tasting a lot. There's of... go ahead, Nick. Mango. There's uh, there's things like teasing me that I can't find the names to, but it <laughs> this beer's pretty crazy. I'm like tasting it. that anise a lot. I'm I'm tasting uh, uh, that cardamom. Cardamom is very powerful. I'm tasting it. Uh, the juniper. It, it's more ethereal. It's, it, it, it was more on the nose than it was in, in mm-hmm. the mouth. The fruitiness is coming through, but there's also there's tinges of whiskey here. I don't taste so much brandy, but there's tinges of whiskey. But there's not so much whiskey that I'm like, this is a whiskey beer. There's well, I mean, of, it's, a, it's about as much bourbon as you would notice in, in a cocktail in an old-fashioned. Yeah, right. Depending on how the old-fashioned is construed. The... Could you imagine drinking this blind? <laughs> uh, I don't know how how I would, what the heck I would call this thing. I don't even think I'd call it beer. I'd call it beer. 
I just wouldn't know what it was. Or would you call it like a, a wine cooler or something? I, I, well, no. I think I would someone slip me a cocktail or something. Because, I mean, the the bitters, the way the bitters are simulated in here are spot on. Mm. Yeah, it is hard to pick out that these are hops. The hops that are used are summit hops, which I'm not very familiar with. But it's definitely hard to pick out that, that hop. You, I, you know what I might do? I might have called it a Gruen. Oh. Yeah, you're probably right with all the, especially the juniper would be like, yeah, it's a Gruen. It's got to be a Gruen. Some crazy ancient ale. It's got to be. <laughs> you're probably right. Yeah, this is the Mobcraft uh, Old Fashioned, and it's a bonkers beer. Mm-hmm. I'm enjoying the hell out of it, and uh, I would say you should too, but <laughs> we don't know whether you can. But yeah, keep keep your eye out for Mobcraft and the other and other things they're doing. We recently did that Don Dorio's uh, Durian from them, yeah. and while it was an interesting beer, it, it was not on this level of of, of fascinating. Yeah, no, the. I like the idea of. I mean, I, we talked very, you know, just a, a couple minutes ago about Rogue trying all these different things, and here's another brewery that's not just trying different things; they're they're letting other people dictate what they do. I kind of, I kind of love it. Uh, I love the the experimental factor, and this is this is really this is pretty pretty dang good. Casey Grove from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, was the person who submitted this recipe. So it's really it's available in Wisconsin. It's available like in Milwaukee, Minneapolis, Chicago. So, it's, so you can get it around there. Essentially, that's just what I'm looking mm-hmm. in their um, in their map on their site. So it's not super widespread, but if you're in that area, go for it. It's pretty cool. Thank you, Mobcraft, for sending this. You got one more from them. We got the yeah. Bat, this is I mean the batshit crazy is the other one we got. <laughs> It's funny that these other these two beers we've had are, are pretty batshit crazy, and then we're going to have a beer called batshit crazy. <laughs> we're just going to take a second here to uh, finish this beer. Mm-hmm. Are there any beer news things that, that have come into play? Oh, there's absolutely the beer news thing. There's the Bell's trademark dispute thing. Okay. So I've read a little bit about this. So there is Bell's, who has a slogan of bottling innovation since 1985 or something like that, 88. And then there's a new brewery in North Carolina called Innovation Brewing Company. And so I'm not sure which way I want to start the story, whether with, with the truth or with the uh, the public outrage. Well, I, I think we should start it with the truth and then lead into the But But the truth became much more apparent after the public outrage. That doesn't mean you shouldn't start with the truth. <laughs> All right. So Innovation <laughs> filed for a federal trademark for Innovation Brewing Company or something like that. Well, not something like that. They filed for a federal trademark for Innovation <laughs> Brewing Company. And... Uh, so I'm, I'm going to I'm going to stray from the truth. I'm going to stray go a little bit to public. So no, no, because I think it tells the story a little bit better. Give me a give me a break right, here. Right. If you want to tell so, the story, I can. All right. Story. So the story came out that Bell's was opposing this trademark, and Twitter went apeshit 
about how bad Bells is for this thing. You you could say Twitter went ape shit about pretty much any topic. Yes, Twitter. Well, Twitter went ape shit. Facebook went ape shit. Um, North Carolina went ape shit. There's pictures of people throwing their Bell neons in the trash. Like um, like bars not no longer selling Bells beer. Uh, but the thing is, it's not Bells did not send innovation a cease and desist. Bells did not send innovation. Um. That kind of thing. They all they did was they filed an opposition to Innovation's trademark uh, application, uh-huh. and so that's what they did. Now there's another dimension to the story which is interesting, and that is both companies are trying to win the hearts and minds. You win, win the ma- you know, win the hearts and minds, win the day type thing. Yes, and <clears throat> there's a Bell side of the story where they were trying to work through and innovation was non-responsive. And when they were responsive, they asked for... I think I saw some of the back and forth they the, asked the competing for, letters to each other, right? They asked for six digits of compensation. And then the innovation went back and said, Bell's only offered us $2,500 in compensation for this thing. And we would have to... They claimed they couldn't sell beer outside of North, North Carolina... Then Bell's in a, another reply said we would let them sell beer wherever they wanted. It, so I think both sides have their own story that they want to get out to the to the public. I don't know where to stand on that, but where I do know to stand is trademarks. Trademarks suck. First off, and you have to protect your trademarks. And I think if I think the way Bell's was protecting their trademark was in the like the nicest way possible. All they did was oppose their application. Let's bring in the devil's back one in because I want to. I want to bring up something about it, or devil's tail rather, uh, because this is from Coronado. This is a, um, a, a collaboration, right, with Coronado and mm-hmm. what's the other beer on that? What's the other brewery? Devil's back one. Devil's back one, right? So, devil's tail. This is a IPA. This has been kind of the the mode that brewers have been under for a long time. We're all in it together. This is all, you know, we're, we're all just trying to make craft beer. As craft beer is now 10% of the market, as there are now a lot more breweries, these high-minded principles are colliding with the reality of business. And so you're going to see more and more often these kind of disputes. There are only so many. I mean, yeah, there are millions of, of possible words, right? But it, it turns out that you have 3,000 breweries that are going to hit upon the same words a lot. Mm-hmm. There has to be some recognition on some level that these are businesses. And while I appreciate the the community aspect of craft beer that's not why i enjoy craft beer i enjoy craft beer because it's an enjoyable drink and because there's so many different facets of it the community is great but it's also a little bit of an of an illusory concept it's a little bit of an illusion it's it's kind of fake i mean when there's double digit growth you can afford to be friendly right and these collaborations well i mean there's a bit of 
I don't know. The best word I can think of sounds disingenuous, but I mean, there's a bit of hippiness in craft beer. You know, there's a bit of, hey, man, we can all get along. And, and it's it's fun to collaborate with people. It, it's, yeah. you know, they're not. Well, there's a bit of hippiness in all industries. I mean, your industry, my industry that we work in in our day jobs, you can still get together with people who are in a different company and be at some sort of conference and just, you know, talk shop and whatever. Because mm-hmm. you're, you're in the same industry. You can, you know, it, it doesn't have to be a war against each other. At the same time, though, when it, when it comes down to the balance sheets, that is a war. Right. So, it, you know, it depends on, on, on where but the there, battle But, no, is. there's beneficial collaborations, right? Yeah. And, you know, most beer collaborations are beneficial to both companies or net neutral, and maybe the benefit is in the PR marketing mm-hmm. or just in the fun and making connections, you know, networking. There's a benefit to networking. Uh, I don't the know. days of collaboration, not litigation, it seems to be kind of over. <laughs> yeah. I mean, those were two similarly sized breweries, Russian River yeah. and Avery. Avery is probably bigger, but similarly sized. Bells and Innovation, it's someone who's been around for 25 years and someone who's been around for three years. And you could imagine being the little guy feeling like, you know... It is funny to talk about how there are big guys in the craft brewing industry that always tries to keep make itself look like the little guy. That's not the case anymore. There are big guys. But I mean, so Innovation is a husband and wife and almost that, and that's about it, right? So you can imagine how... Their livelihood is tied up in this thing, and now Bells is up in their shit. You know, you can kind of appreciate that a little bit, right? Of course. Well, everyone's the star of their own story, right? I mean, everyone's the main character in their own story. And if you look at it from that perspective, then yeah, all the outside stuff is, you know, is the evil empire trying to get at you. It's, but. If you take a relative perspective of it, if you look at it sure. from a from a I mean, I didn't, broader perspective, I, I, I didn't mean to put too much stock into that. I mm-hmm. just kind of wanted to say it because you can definitely see some of that. Some of these small brewers are scared shitless that they're going to lose their business over some dumb trademark. I think that is the danger that you have when you get into a business that is this. I, I hesitate to say it's it feels like it's getting more and more saturated. Right? I, I you know, I've talked a little bit about this. Mm-hmm. I feel that this bubble has to end sometime sooner rather than later. Because there are thousands and thousands of breweries, over three thousand breweries now. That's a yeah, saturated I mean, we've talked we've talked about this, right? when is the point of saturation? Uh lots of people are getting into the business because the market is growing. And, and we're close. I mean, relatively speaking, to saturation. It, the question is, how much more capacity is there in the market? And are some of the breweries that are opening their doors today too many? Yeah. Great things, possibly. I think there's still some room, but I'm not saying there's infinite room. I'm not saying that there's not going to be attrition. I'm not saying... The thing about bubble, I, I, I equate bubble too much to a crash. 
and you seem to have a point of view that's where not, a bubble doesn't that's need a crash. Not a, yeah, a bubble is not necessarily a crash. It's an overestimation of, of the economic potential. But the way I look at it is is, is looking so, at... So, I mean, like, yeah, when, when you... Before... I'm sorry to interrupt you, but, you know, just to reiterate, I was arguing against Greg's bubble theory because I was thinking that there had to be a contraction in the market of, of beer sold. Right. Not beer available, right? Because there was a contraction in the market in the early in the mid '90s when craft beer crashed. Yes, then. And I don't want to speak specifically for you, but I think what you're saying is that a bubble does not have to have a contraction in the market uh, of of sold. Right. But if there's oversupply, there's going to be people that can't pay their bills and they're going to close. Exactly, shop. a bubble technically is supply outpacing demand, and then. There is a uh, yeah a contraction of available products when some of them go out, but that doesn't mean a, the, the, the that there is a contraction of the market space doesn't right. necessarily collapse. So the market can still grow, but if there's if there's a twenty twenty five thirty percent surplus in beer made that can't be sold, mm-hmm. people are not going to be able to pay their bills and right. going to close. But the way I look at the legal situation is is kind of like uh, it's it's almost like an ideal gas equation. You have you have a, a box. You can make that box over large, and you put a certain amount of of stuff into it. You put a certain amount of air or gas in it. Let's let's get to this beer. I think the uh, hopper room is fading on it. Okay. As we're talking here, so. But I this, want to finish this point. I know. I think we should. But I I think the beer is starting to fade a little bit on the aroma, at least. All right. So this is the Devil's Tale. A collaboration from Devil's Backbone and Coronado. This beer was purchased by me. 75 IBUs, alcohol by volume is 7.5%. So the the hoppy aroma on it is a little more um, piney than like the last one we had where it was all citrus, all oily. And there's a a little bit of maltiness that's making into the nose as well. A little bit. I dare say that there's some of that Vienna that we had already. Um, they talk about in the back how they they met at Saver, these guys, and okay, in 2014, and that's how this started. Cool. So, Devil's Backbone is in Virginia. Very well known brewery. Mm-hmm. Um, you might remember from the Saver where I was telling Jason. That I thought I liked his Vienna Lager a lot because I thought it had this neat earthy mushroom flavor, and you would think I slapped his baby. <laughs> he doesn't like that I uh, said there was mushroom flavor in his beer. A lot of tangerine and grapefruit notes coming out of the of the hoppiness, and the color is a uh, kind of a strawish color. It's a little a little more yellowish than straw. Flavor does feel like a Coronado beer. Um, Mm. Pretty hoppy up front, pretty bitter. We've had some Coronados recently. This one kind of fits into the mold. Later in the flavor, it does. I still, I, I don't know. I haven't read it, but I th- I'm pretty sure there's some Vienna in here. Because later in the flavor, I get a little more of that white bread crust in the back of my throat. There's a lot of bitterness at the end. It, it reminds me of, it reminds me a lot of, of Arrogant Bastard, actually. It, it's a little bright up front, but then it has a lot of bitterness and a lot of earthy notes at, at the end. 
Yeah, there's a there's a big lingering bitter on the beer. So my example, I, I was I was talking about like uh, um, you imagine a box. You imagine this box as large as you want. You just throw molecules of, of you know of of gas in there. Eventually, if you put enough in there, they're going to start colliding. It depends, mm-hmm. you know, depends on how large it is. But this is what's happening: is we're starting to see that there's there's this there's these collisions that are taking place, and where there weren't any before. So it's it's just that this concept of beer as this purely hippie thing can't last when the business is this much a part of it. Right. I agree. We're running a little long. We're at 56 already, so. 56 what? Minutes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just to let you know where we are. I mean, our last one was like 39 minutes, so it's okay if we go over one under on another, right? Yes. We still have one more beer left. I know. That's why. Let's keep the chit-chat. Cut back on any extra chit-chat. It's still about beer. So I think it's... Like, I wanted to talk about the BA numbers, but I might save that for next week because I want to get into... I want to dig into that a little bit more. The the 2014 numbers. They are interesting, aren't they? They are. And I have a lot to say about them, but I think I want to save it for next week. Okay. All right. This is the devil's... I, I I went through this real quick. Um... It's very drinkable, very tasty. I, I guess it was in some way pleasing to have an IPA after all of this, mm-hmm. after these different ones. Right. This was just kind of, you know, a little hop juice and, and carbonation and just what you're used to. There's nothing, I, I wouldn't say that there's anything terribly unique about it. Like I said, it reminds me a lot of... I think if there's anything unique about it, how it has that kind of Vienna character in it. And I and I didn't really get that as much as you did, so But it's very enjoyable. I enjoyed it a lot. I drank it real quick. Okay. Last beer of the evening is one that was sent to us by Lightning Brewing. This is old tempestuous ale. This is an old ale. 9% 9% alcohol by volume. This one took a while to, to... So when it came shipped, I noticed like it was uh, quite cloudy and there was a huge yeast slug at the bottom. And uh, so I've had it in the fridge for, you know, three months now, two months now. And yeah, there's like half an inch of, of yeast at the bottom. Uh... It stayed down there as we poured it. The beer poured pretty clear. It's a little cloudy, but I can still see fingerprints through the glass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, eh, it's a little more cloudy. It's, it's kind of a amber with like, like ruby tones. It's a delicious aroma on it. A kind of it's, maple yeah. cherry. Maple cherry, a little bit of banana. Very saturated. Mm-hmm. Very, very uh, intense aroma on this. Mm, that is, yeah, like a cherry pie or something. It really does <laughs> so, smell great. There's there's a lot of intense vegetable flavors. Uh, I just got a pretty strong whiff of green pepper. 
I, I'm not saying you're wrong. Um, I can see where you get that. Right. I I don't think it, that's. It, I didn't get an intense whiff of that. I got something where okay, if I delve into okay. it, it, it I'm not it. smelling it consistently. But I took a sniff. And I'm like, it smells like I just chopped open a pepper, <laughs> a bell pepper, not not an jalapeno or anything. Like that. Yeah, there's a. It keeps coming back to kind of a bubblegummy, uh, right? Cherry, touch of banana, um, a little bit sherry like too. There's says there's um, that bit of oxidation. It may, it may, it may not be oxidation. It may just be just the quality of the beer. But like old ales do really mm. well with oxidation. They are they oxidize with the best of them. Flavor on it. It has a lower carbonation, kind of aqueous. Um, body is is medium. It's not a very full body, but right. there's still a ton of flavor in there. Kind of echoes the the cherries. I keep coming back to banana. I'm the only problem I have with this is that. I still taste some of the hops from the Devil's Tail. Mm. And so they're coloring some of the flavors here where I think that uh, they wouldn't have that color if, if if they were there. So I'm just trying to change my palate up a little bit, drink okay. some water, get mm-hmm. that out of my system. Yeah, this is pretty good. Trying to see if there's anything else to pull out of it. It's kind of like, kind of feels like we kind of got it. You know, we kind of yeah. described it. There's nothing else. I mean, I love much. old ales. I, I really do think old ales are one of my favorite styles. This feels a little more aqueous than normal. Right? It doesn't feel as, doesn't have the mouthfeel. It, it's I a lot more estery than I would have expected. Yeah. The cherries, the, the bananas. The yeast are, are playing a prominent role mm-hmm. here, which is. Yeah. Which is fine. It, it's yeah, not. It's not making a bad beer. It's no. just you know, from what are my expectations, I was expecting something more malty, you know, maybe with a little bit of oxidation on it. But you know, it's it's a pretty estery um, beer. If I was drinking it blind, I might have thinking it was like a Dunkelweiss or something. You know, that the amount of bananas I'm getting on it. I think I probably might have agreed with you. The only the the only thing that I may have noticed is is that there's definitely a. There's a alcohol feel to it, right? There's, mm-hmm. there's a, it feels like there's a, a bit of that, or maybe a Weizen Bach then. Yeah, maybe a Weizen. Yeah, right. Because, it, it, it's it's kind of a jelly gelatin like consistency that you get when you get a higher alcohol beer. Some of these ones, and so that's what's mm-hmm. what's coming out of this. So that's why I would say, uh, you know, maybe a Bach of some sort. But yeah, Old Ale would not have been on my list of ideas. Okay, so let's get to the ranking. Overall, I mean, pretty interesting show. Lots of good beers tonight. You know, and and the most fascinating one was that Mobcraft, that old fashioned style right. cocktail beer. Um, that <laughs> it's going to be hard to like rank the the bonkersness of the experimental beer versus you know these more some of these more classic beers. But let's give it a go. Um. Okay. Da, 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 da. 
Sorry for the dead air. I need to rearrange some <laughs> bottles. I think that, you know, some of these styles are going to be further down the charts for me just because the styles aren't as competitive to some of the other ones. For, But, yeah, I think the beers are all good. So starting from the bottom, I'm going to have to put this lightning in last place. Um, it's good beer. I didn't taste, you know, any flaws or anything like that. Um, I don't know if it was supposed to be so much banana esters, mm-hmm. um, ethyl amyl acetate type flavors in an old ale. I think it works. It might not be what most people are expecting for something with the old ale on the label. In fifth place, I'm going to put the Polygamy Nitro Porter. I think it was a fine beer. Um, comparing it to like the Saranac Disruption Nitro, I think the Saranac was far outpaced uh, the enjoyability of the thing. Um I think the Saranac, if anything, is kind of the hard luck loser in fourth place because it's competing against some hobbier beers and some bonkers flavors beers. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. So it's at the top of the bottom. <laughs> I mean, because like... Yeah, no, I get it. Because, I mean, while it was a very delicious brown ale on nitro, it really can't compete against the Saranac Immortality Imperial Amber with all those great hop flavors. You know, that's just a more interesting drink overall. So that's in... Well, hold on. Let me sit, let me make sure that I want to put that in third place. You know what? I'm going to put the Devil's Tail in third place. Uh, I think I enjoy the immortality better. I think the, the, the juicy, citrusy, and marmalade characters of the immortality mm-hmm. puts that in front of the Devil's Tail. Uh, so for the Devil's Tail... It was good. Uh, it was the big bitterness kind of detracted from it a little bit. It was just very bitter compared to the immortality. They're kind of the analogs in this tasting. And then I got to put the Mobcraft in first place because it's just next level bonkers. And it was very well done. I, I don't, I never expected to get all those flavors in one beer. And if you told me all those flavors were going to be a beer, I thought it would be a gimmicky mess. Mm hmm. And this was well integrated and yeah. very good. Yeah. It's got to be in first place. So my ranking is considerably different than yours. Although we we share a number one. We both think, I, I think we both really feel the Mobcraft was something unique and special and interesting and uh, distinct. And this kind of, it really had so much, so much going for it that it's hard not to put it in first place. I mean, it would take... Uh, a real stutter. it's not just because I just want to reiterate it's not because they threw a ton of shit in there yeah they threw a ton of shit in there and made it all work right right it, it's it's the idea I mean it, it, it's the idea that you can make a beer that isn't nece- it isn't what somebody would you you present that to to somebody who says every all beer tastes the same all beer tastes like beer they would not say that tastes like beer mm-hmm. it's, it's one of those things where that's something different, but it, it comes from the same source that all is the, all these other ones come from. And yet they're doing something really different with it, and they're making something very unique. And I, you've got to appreciate that. So Mobcraft number one. Let me go from the bottom to top, though, for the rest of them. Uh, my number six beer. The uh, I didn't feel. I mean, I I liked what they did with it, but I just felt the flavor didn't work for me with the disruption. I didn't like the way that the hops messed with the the brown ale stuff. That's 
why it's in last place. Uh, it's just a personal preference thing. I think it was well put together. I think it was, uh, yeah, I think it was a very good beer. I just didn't like it. <laughs> you know, it's like you're allowed. I, not I, like I recognize it. the quality. I recognize all the stuff about it, but I just didn't. I wasn't really into the flavor. Number five, then, is going to be lightning. It not very typical of an old ale. Definitely a little bit more aqueous than I would have wanted, but still very drinkable. I mean, enjoyable. I don't know whether drinkable is the right word. It's enjoyable. I like the flavors that are coming off of it. And number four is going to be the Wasash, the uh, the polygamy nitro porter. So it was really good. I, I, I think that there is, um, yeah, I, I I enjoyed it. It felt less nitro than the Saranac, mm-hmm. but it felt more portery. Sure. I no, I understand. Really I mean, I didn't give nitro or the Saranac the edge just because it was more nitro. Right, yeah. yeah. I liked. I thought it did a lot of things very well. But, yeah, absolutely what you were saying. Number three, I'm going to put the immortality in number three just because I think number three and number two, they're very close. Uh, I just, it was... It was kind of amazing to me how quickly I downed that Coronado. I'm usually slower with my drinking mm-hmm. than Jeff is. Uh, and that one, I just kind of went bam, 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 like three <laughs> three sips and it was down. That says something about a beer to me. I think that calls it drinkable, huh? Yeah, that, uh, it, it was a pretty drinkable beer. And it is pretty amazing to me because that would have been a beer that when we started, I would have been not very into. But, you know, 10 years has a lot of effect on my palate. But again, Mobcraft number one. So there you go. That's the way we do it. Something just like the intro music. Exactly. Pretty much the same tone. Thanks everyone for listening to Craft Beer Radio and putting up with us for 1 hour 9 minutes 37 seconds. Uh, if you would like to contact us, you can send us an email, beer at craftbeerradio.com. You can hit us up on Twitter, at Jeff Bear. At CBR Greg. And at Craft Beer Radio, if you want to hit us up with the shared account. Uh, Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. You can visit our website, craftbeerradio.com, for more information. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you again very soon. <laughs>